Hello and welcome. This is Diane Lake, your host, and I'm going to be sharing how you can understand and apply the prophetic through practical terms, practical ways, and practical means that make it relevant to everyday life so that you can help prepare the way for the Lord's purposes to manifest in the earth. This is Preparing the Way, the Practical Prophetic. Well, hello guys. Welcome to episode 23, titled Finding Your Place why missions is not up to someone else. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you ever been that one who at some point in your life has deep down in your heart been terrified that the Lord might send you to Africa or someplace you do not want to go to like live in a mud hut or eat bugs or something awful? And have you just figured that if that's what you don't want to do, that's what God will have you do? It like sounds almost comical, but it's kind of that George Orwell kind of mentality from that book, 1984. I don't know if you've read that, but there was this big brother concept that whatever you most dreaded and hated, that was what was going to happen to you. So first of all, let me just say that that is not the father's heart. That is not God the father. Matthew 7 tells us if our fathers here on earth know how to give us good gifts, how much more does he Right. So even though there is sacrifice to our Christian walk and the things that we are called to do, if that's what you're thinking, yeah, that's not what God's heart is for you at all. But we still want to talk about some touchy subjects in some ways, because even if we're not specifically gifted as evangelists, or maybe we're not specifically called to go to move to another country, learn another language, that kind of thing. I believe the Lord wants to challenge us today, you who are listening and myself even, to consider what our role is in the area of missions. Okay, so that you could consider to be a homework assignment today. As you listen, I want you to ponder some of the things I'm going to be talking about and be asking the Lord what your part is, okay? So recently, for my master's degree, I had to take a course called Intro to World Missions. Now, this is the last course. Hooray! I'm getting close. And by the way, if you follow my personal Facebook page, it's Diane M.T. Lake, M.T. as in Montana. I update you on things like I'm almost done with school. Yay! But anyway, this class had given me a little bit of concern because it was written as if who's ever taking this uh, course and getting this degree is going to be a typical pastor in a typical church. That's not what I do. So it's geared towards that and how you would get a mission program up and running in your church and all this. But I was really blessed that my instructor, um, I, I laid the groundwork with him. What I do, it's very non-traditional and he just encouraged me to be myself and uh, there's a lot of flexibility for me to just fulfill these assignments and course requirements and do it in a way that's not typical. So I'm going to talk about some of the things that I do for one thing that I believe is a part of missions. But the Lord's also been touching my heart concerning some issues. And I think that some are, who are listening, the Lord would like to do that for them as well, because I got some pretty strong direction to talk about this today. And it would not be a subject that I would typically choose. I mean, there's all kinds of things I could talk about, right? But I do wait for the Lord's direction. I won't bring you a podcast ever, I promise, if I have not gotten specific direction. Okay, I think I've told you that before. So here's a burning question I want you to think about. What is my role, you who are listening, what is my role in fulfilling the Great Commission? What is my missiological strategy? 
That's a big word. Basically, what am, what is my part and how am I going to do it? That's all. And here's another question for you. What do you think happens to those who die without having heard about Christ? Are they lost? Are they going to hell? Because if these are questions that you've never thought about, maybe that's the point of you listening today. Because this is uh, a really a responsibility of ours to be knowing stuff like this and how we feel. So for let's just set some groundwork for the first you know little bit here. So we all know the Great Commission, I'm sure, is found in four places in the Gospels. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Mark 16, 15. Luke 24, 33 to 49, some of that is more than the commission. Uh, John 20, 21, Acts 1, 8. Not all technically the Great Commission, but they're sending, uh, sending scripture. So basically in these scriptures, we have Christ commissioning his apostles and his church, that's us, to be his agent for world evangelism. And I believe to display the power of the Holy Spirit for his glory and in his name. All right, so let's just read Matthew 28, 18 to 20. There's a lot of scriptures that we could be reading throughout this podcast, but I'm going to have to leave some of them out because we would just be here forever, which I'm sure we don't want to do. So, okay, so let's read that. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Okay, so let's just talk about a couple terms and uh, some phrases. So first of all, nations. Now that's ethnos in the Greek. Um, Most would understand that to mean people groups. People groups could be defined as large groups of individuals who share a common affinity for one another because of something like a shared language, religion, ethnicity, residence, occupation, class, caste, situation, or some combination, okay? So it's not necessarily a country um, because countries are governed by laws and rules. So maybe we're talking about the Jewish nation as opposed to Israel, okay? some some crossover there but I think you get the gist of what I mean well what does it mean to disciple a nation I think that's key but we're going to come back to that because there's some more things I want to work into it before we get there um so just even for time's sake let's just condense a lot of these scriptures down into John three sixteen because verses like John three sixteen tell us without question that God has a heart for the whole world right? And he wants everyone to receive the gift of salvation. I learned this as a child. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth shall inherit salvation, right? Slight paraphrase. And then the next verse, he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Okay, so there's a worldwide vision of salvation, right, that we need to carry with us as well. So we can't deny what scripture says. So what is our part? If we want to be obedient, if we believe the lost are lost without Christ, we have to consider this. So let's go to that question then. What does happen to the lost? Now, there there are a number of choices. We could say that we believe in universalism. We're not going to cover all the scriptures. Remember, I just don't have time. That would be, you're saying there's no hell and all men will ultimately be saved by the God of love. And I don't believe scripture supports that. So I'm just going to say right off, we have to reject that. There is a form of Christian agnosticism, which says we just don't know what happens. 
A third option, some say that there's a second chance or maybe a third way we could go to heaven. Someone who believes this is probably using 1 Peter 3.19, which it tells us that there's a point where Christ preached to spirits in prison, but I, I don't think that's what scripture is saying right there. I think we look to Romans for the most part to see what it is that happens to those who have not heard. Um, and I believe that we do have to conclude for the most part, that man is lost without Christ. And we need to know that because otherwise we don't have to do missions, do we? We don't have to care or do anything. So there's a couple key passages in Romans 2, 12 to 16 is one, and it tells us that God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. That's pretty intriguing. So if they haven't heard of Jesus Christ, I don't know. That's a problem, right? This passage indicates that those who have never had specific revelation, like say the Jews had, or have never heard of Christ, they have a conscience as their guide, an internal standard, right? And Paul seems to indicate that if they live according to that internal standard, and if they respond positively to the revelation and nature of God, which is provided in the testimony of creation, now that comes from Romans 1, 19 and 20, then, in light of their conscience, and in light of their reaction positively, they will be evaluated positively. And if they reject revelation and have not responded to their conscience, they will likewise be evaluated negatively. Now, we have to admit we can't know how that works for sure. But if we believe Romans 2, 6-8, it seems to be that the heathens will be judged, heathens being those that don't have Christ at all, any knowledge of him, they have to respond according to the evidence that they have. And there's different evidence. Like I said, the evidence of conscience and the evidence of natural revelation and providence, you could call it. From Romans 2, 12 to 16 and Romans 1, 19 to 20. I want you to go look at these scriptures if you're at all questioning what I'm telling you. That's a good thing to do. Paul seems to deal more positively with the response of conscience, but in any case, we can see that those who have more evidence will be judged accordingly, right? So you think of us, you know, in a Western country like I'm, you know, I'm in the United States of America. We have a lot of evidence. There's a lot of chances for salvation. We're going to be judged according to that, okay? And someone who hasn't heard won't be judged by the same standard, okay? Is that making sense? But it still indicates that they are lost, okay? Because first of all, let's just uh, back that up by a, a scripture that I think is important, Romans 10, 14. In the New King James, it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And then the next verse goes on to say, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. Why? because they can't respond until they hear, right? So I hope we never want to feel guilty by someone pressuring us, but we do want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit conviction, conviction, uh, convicting or conviction. That is way different than someone guilt tripping you into something or having a concept that God wants you to do it because you don't want to do it, okay? So we want to find that Holy Spirit ground where he's, we're, we're so sensitive that when he's, um, pricking us in a way that our hearts are like, okay, I want to respond. All right. You see what I'm saying? This is really a big deal. So I, for years and years and years did not understand 
and was, uh, I don't know, living under a burden of guilt for a lot of things. But I don't do that anymore, okay? All right, and no one should. All right, so I want to give you some testimony too, because I think it's really good to land this. And I was one who for a lot of years as a young Christian, and by some of that, I mean age, and some of that, I mean maturity. And I know I am not alone, who, you know, who like me were deep down terrified that the Lord might send us to Africa or someplace that we could not handle to be, or just, you know, what, I, what I'm saying. Now, um, like I said, that doesn't mean we don't have to sacrifice sometimes. I do it in ministry too, but not in that way. But again, it's a loving father. So we have to understand that. But uh, let me get back to the testimony. I don't want to jump around too much. So um, I, as a teenager, and I don't know if I've even told my husband this story, not on purpose, but I just don't know that if I ever have. Uh, I'm going to say a teenager, fairly young teenager, let's say. I was at a mission Bible camp. Um, and they had this thing in the evening. So this is like a week long in the summer. Okay. And it's Montana. So you're not going to do this kind of thing if it's not summer, because otherwise it's cold all the time. <laughs> but anyway, in the evening, they would have this campfire service and they would have something called a faggot service. Now, I know that sounds weird, but I looked it up. This is spelled F-A-G-O-T, right? So don't get the wrong idea here. A faggot is a bundle of sticks, twigs, branches, something like that used for fuel, okay? So what people would do at this part of the service, these kids, and of course there were counselors and staff members and whatever. So you'd take a stick if you felt led by the Lord, but I don't know. It, you know, it was a little bit like, I'll, I'll tell you the story from my perspective. I was feeling peer pressure, right? So you would, people would throw a stick in the fire and they were going to rededicate their lives or they would make some statement that they were going to do something different when they got back home to their hometowns because there's a lot of little hometowns represented at these camps it's western montana with some outreach and you know people are going back to high schools and different things so you get the idea well somehow i got caught up and i'm gonna call it peer pressure but in any case i picked up a stick at one point and i got up there and i was a pretty quiet kid too so was, i don't know why i did this but anyway i don't think it was the holy spirit i'm just saying but anyway i threw the stick on the fire and i said i want to be a missionary i feel the lord calling me I can't quote it exactly because I don't remember it, but something to the gist of I felt like I was going to be a missionary. And it just so happened that my mom was in the crowd. And my mom died when I was 17. If you listen to my very first episode uh, about testimony, you would hear that. Um, but she was being at that time, I think, a volunteer cook for that week in, you know, in the camp cook. Uh, what am I trying to say? Kitchen. There you go in the kitchen. Okay, I can speak early. I can. Anyway, um, so she heard me. Well, uh, some time had passed. And at one point, we were talking about what I was going to do in the future. And I think I said something about possibly going to college to become a teacher. Um, and she said, I thought you were going to go be a missionary. And I kind of went like, whoa. I'm like, well, did you think I was serious? In effect, I said to her, um, you know, because I was just kind of like going with the crowd. But I mean, I remember she was really, um, she's like, well, you you gave a vow or a promise to the Lord was in effect what she was saying. I don't know. I've never forgotten that. So as we move through life, right, we collect baggage, or at least I did. I did not have the Holy Spirit 
Um, I did not know anything about healing and, you know, inner healing, deliverance, generational curses. These are all in my earlier podcast. Go back if you haven't listened to them. This is important stuff. So I was going through life with a lot of baggage. And I can guarantee you I would not have been able to go to Africa. I was too broken of a person. I had too many hurts and wounds. And, um, you know, I needed help myself. I wasn't going to help nobody, much less the people in Africa. But I had a background in history. My mom had been um, such a, uh, what would you say? She just had such a heart for children. And she had kind of like talked to my dad into it, basically into adopting children. A couple of them were, uh, South Korean orphans. Um, they've been abandoned at, at early ages. And so I had four adopted brothers and it just seemed really natural to me, uh, adoption. I, I don't know. It just, as I got older, got married. My husband and I, at some point, we just made up our minds that we were going to adopt some children. And we settled on South Korea as well for various reasons. So we adopted uh, four infants, about four months old. You can hear the story about it through my testimony in the first episode. And But honestly, I really felt like that was a way I could touch the world because I think I carried a little bit of guilt. I did tell the Lord I was going to be a missionary, right? But I knew I couldn't go. And besides, if you read your Bible, you got to realize there is a plan for him to save the world, right? So that was one of many reasons I'm thinking to myself as we're doing this, that this is a way I can take a child and I can influence them for the Lord, right? Um, they can have a life that they wouldn't have, have had before and they can know the message of the gospel. Okay, so I don't know. Hopefully I'm not going on too long, but I just want to encourage you that there are different ways to think about ministry as far as missions. Okay, you don't have to put yourself in a box. I like how my instructor said, he said, be yourself. You don't have to just necessarily go move to another country, learn another language, but you got to be doing something. Okay, well, moving on. Um, as we uh, raised our kids, you know, there was a lot of drama and trauma in there. You got to go back and listen to my testimony. Um, but basically adopting the kids is what transformed my life to where I am now because of some things that happened along the way. Uh, so lately, what's really interesting is that uh, the Lord has given me and my husband a call to build an orphanage, and it's specifically supposed to be in India. Now, I can't tell you exactly how this has transpired, but it's been over years. There's been a number of words from the Lord and prophetic dreams. And so it's interesting that for this course, for this class I'm doing, um, I needed to read a biography of some missionaries, and you know who I picked. It was Heidi and Roland Baker of Iris Global, and their whole ministry in Mozambique, and of course, they're much uh, more, they have a lot broader reach now, many more countries, but they began with an orphanage and helping children, stopping for the one. And as I had to read those books again for this class, um, I, it just made it so much more real to me, this orphanage in India. I mean, because I have been praying about this for year and years and our team has been too. And I, I had to reread these and I realized that, that Roland and Heidi had prayed for 20 years before they ever went to Africa. Whether Mozambique specifically that long, I don't know. But they'd been praying at least that long for Africa itself before they ever went. So that's encouraging to me because we haven't got any specifics how we're going to accomplish this. 
but there's prayer involved. You know, you have to lay the groundwork for prayer. And speaking of which, I have an exciting announcement at some point because we are going to have a formal fund raising. Um, what, what am I trying to say? It's there's going to be a name and a title for this fund when we raise. Uh, orphanage funds but I can't announce it yet because we're not far enough along but we already have a savings account and there are people who are donating toward this so it is it is in the infancy stages I'm just saying so hopefully you can be excited about that and you'll be the first to hear about it if you follow my podcast when we do uh, go to that next step but Here's a verse, um, because I, I, I want to point this verse out, because you, not only do you have to know what you're called to and how you're going to accomplish it, but you have to know from scripture why you feel led to do what you do, okay? You have to have some basis here, right? You can't just like be pulling things out of a hat. So one scripture alone that I'm going to read that I think reinforces the Lord really has a heart for orphans. It's all through scripture, but Mark, uh, uh, orphans and children. I mean, not just orphans, but Mark nine thirty six, New King James says, then he took a little child and set him in the midst. And when he had taken it in him, his arms, he said, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. All right. Pretty profound. You know, one child, one individual matters, right? So let me just skip to the next term because we've been talking about terms, but we've been doing it interspersed with testimony and all, but back to terms. So the traditional or typical definition of a missionary is a person who obeys God's guidance and is sent to a cross-cultural or cross-political, a linguistic barrier type of thing. He's going there for the purpose of communicating the gospel and establishing churches for God, okay? establishing the church of God, we could say. But I'm going to tell you, I think there's more flexibility than that when we define a missionary or missions. All right. So if you're called to travel to nations, that's great. Or leave, you know, go live there, first of all. But also you might be called to travel. Maybe you're an itinerant preacher or minister and you travel to nations. Now, we haven't in our ministry done much of that at this stage. It uh, could be happening more in the future. Um, but what we do right now is we largely rely on the Internet. The articles that I do, the larger platforms that publish them in particular, the podcasts that I do, um, even from download statistics and reader responses, we can know for sure that we've reached as many as 70, but more, more than 70, I just can't pin down the number, nations or countries is really how it's generally measured. But that's a pretty big reach. And I don't travel. Like say if I'm doing a podcast, I sit here in my closet because it literally has the best sound, the best acoustics, and I can reach nations. Okay, so that's missions. And we have to be able to think about missions outside of the box. Okay, do you see what I'm saying? Okay, so now I want to return to that same topic of terms and defining some things. What does it mean to disciple a nation, right? Because I, I think that's important. In Matthew 28, we already read that we are to make disciples of all the nations. Now, most commonly, people assume Believers are assuming that it means to disciple individuals within the people groups or nations, okay, of the world. But again, I'm going to keep saying this throughout. I think it's more than that. 
I think we need to think outside of the box even there. I think the Lord intends us to think about more. Because I think the concept also of discipling nations involves the seven mountains. Okay, so these are areas of cultural influence. Now, sometime I probably will do a podcast on the seven mountains, but for now we're going to just like shorten it, like really shrink it up. There are seven major spheres or mountains which impact society. They are business, government, media, arts, entertainment, education, family, and religion. And every believer moves in at least one of these areas, usually more, and God wants to bring his influence through us to these areas, okay? As we do this, we're reformers and we bring God's government, his organization, his influence to the earth in these areas. Now, why is this important? Ah, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> this is important because Jesus declares in Matthew 25, 31 through 43, that there will be righteous sheep nations and evil goat nations on earth when he returns at his second coming. He's speaking of nations here, not individuals. Sometimes we skip over this scripture. Maybe we don't understand it, so we skip it. No, we don't want to do that, right? So basically what he's saying is that the goat nations will be removed from the earth at his coming and the sheep nations remain and will become kingdom of God nations, nations who have an eternal destiny in God, right? So cool, very cool. So every sincere Christian who really believes in the reality of heaven and hell we should be working, right, to get individuals prepared to spend eternity with Christ. But if we believe what I'm saying in addition, but and also if we believe what Jesus said about sheep and goat nations, we should also care about whether our own nation is a sheep nation or whether those nations that we are led to influence are sheep nations, okay? Do you see what I'm saying? So we have not just an individual discipleship going on but a national right okay hope you're following me so you know you might be saying but how can I make a difference well you know I'm here's another challenge I'm just going to ask you dream big I'm going to tell you I'm going to challenge you dream big because I believe for those who will volunteer to be kingdom demonstrators in their so their societal mountains or spheres of influence, God to you will release new strategies, abundant wisdom, fresh grace, supernatural power, and provision for you to accomplish the task, okay? I really believe, and I'm not the only one, Bishop Bill Hammond is one who has spoken on this at some length, and some of the stuff that I've just been sharing with you comes from some of his teaching, but some of it's my own too, so... So I want to take a look at one last phrase. I think it's the last one. Let's look at the gospel of the kingdom just a little bit more closely. All right. So Matthew 24, 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world, because we're talking about missions still, as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Well, most people, again, believers, have assumed that this means, well, we've got to get the gospel translated into the Bible, translated into every language and get it everywhere, and then the end will come. And I'm like, wait, 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 not so fast, okay? I think it's more than that. Have you heard me say that already? I think it's more than that. Like I say, the common assumption is the gospel of the kingdom 
is one and the same as the gospel of salvation or the message of salvation. But I believe the gospel of the include kingdom includes more. I got to slow down. I'm trying to talk too fast. Includes more than just the message of salvation. All right. I do have a quote from Bishop here. Uh, Ammon of in Christian International. I don't remember. I had it in my notes. But Okay. So this is his quote. It is the gospel of the kingdom of God being demonstrated in every nation as a witness to them of the sovereign lordship of Jesus Christ that will determine how close we are to the end of the age. Okay, so catch this part. Jesus must be demonstrated with supernatural power, wisdom, and miracles until heads of nations have to acknowledge that there is no true God and Redeemer of all mankind kind but Jesus Christ the almighty son of God wow and then the end will come see so if you want the end to come if you want Christ to come back this is what the blueprint says has to be done right it's the Lord who builds the church the Lord who builds the kingdom we read the blueprints and we say aha I want to do I want to help build I want to do what God is doing see just catch what I'm saying all right, so I've really laid a lot on you. This podcast is a little bit longer, um, but lately I haven't done them as frequently, and that's largely because I am trying to get this degree done, just so you know. <laughs> I haven't abandoned you by any means. But I didn't want to overburden you with too much scripture, so I tried to pare that down. But the basic point I want to get across to you today is to challenge you, to give you a homework assignment, if you want to call it that. To think about these things and, and to just understand that you don't have to go to Africa necessarily or some other place like that, that you think you don't want to go. But you do need to be doing something towards reaching nations. If you're a sincere Christian who really believes what God says, okay? And I know that you are that. So maybe you already are doing something. And if so, great. And maybe... You're feeling just a twinge that you need to pray and you need to ask the Lord, what is my role? Am I doing enough? Because here's what I think. I don't think it's up to any one person to reach the world, but I do believe it is up to each one of us as members of the body of Christ to reach the world. It's not up to somebody else. It's up to me. It's up to you. Okay. So let's just briefly go over a few things that you could do, that I could do, if, if you're sincere about reaching the world, okay? We can be a sender. Financial support is critical, maybe logistically as well. Now, if you're a member of a local church who has a missions program, it could be simple to figure out how you support missions uh, as a sender. If not, then there are other means. Be sure you're supporting some ministry, somebody who's doing something to reach the nations, okay? Even our ministry, you can donate to us. Go to our webpage, www.starfighterministries.org. Or here's a thought. If you want to donate to our orphanage fund, you can do that too, but be sure you designate it. And at this point, we don't have the, the logistics in place, but it, we're just in the early stages. So I don't want to officially launch it yet. You get, get what I'm saying? Okay, so we can be senders. Something else we can do is traditional mission work, obviously. Go to another nation, another country, learn a language, adopt the customs, do whatever it takes to establish the gospel there. 
We can do short-term missions. We can do medical missions. You can travel to nations. Or you can use the internet like I do in our ministry. You can adopt a child. You can sponsor a child. You can support an orphanage. Donate to an orphanage fund. Uh, you can do famine relief. You could do agricultural or well uh, relief work where you're helping people get established that need desperately to be, uh, you know, helped out of poverty situation and grow their own food kind of thing. Basically, if you're doing anything that touches lives with not only the message of the gospel, meaning salvation, but also the gospel of the kingdom. If you are able to teach and demonstrate to the people around you how to apply the influence of heaven to their everyday lives, their everyday surroundings and activities, bringing heaven to earth, in other words, then you are ministering the gospel of the kingdom and speeding the Lord's return. Isn't that awesome? It's Peter who tells us. I didn't look up the scripture. Um... I'm going to probably quote it wrong. First Peter 3.12 is what I'm going to say. But we are to look for and hasten the day of the Lord. That's what Peter tells us. You can make this come faster is basically what he's saying. If you just do the things that I've told you to do, the Lord says. Okay? Through Peter. So here's what I feel is our responsibility and is true for me in our ministry. Is that I don't need to try to do something that I am not called to do or be. I have a, just a suspicion that some of us think we have to do something that conforms, right? And as I've been saying, I want you to think out of the box, all right? Because if you're being spirit-led, there might be something that maybe someone, someone else is not even doing, okay? He's a creative God, and he has something just for you. I know he does. I'm sure of it. <laughs> all right. Um, remember the parable in Matthew 25, 14 through 30, the parable of the talents. I want to talk about that for a minute. And the criteria for being found good and faithful, I'm not going to review that. That was in the last episode. I don't know if I said that. Sometimes I've been talking so long, I forget what I said. But being found good and faithful was not based upon, let's say, did you reach the whole world? Did you go to a foreign mission field? That's not what the Lord asked that servant, because we believe that's symbolic for the Lord, that man who went away on a journey. Rather, it was based upon whether he had been faithful with what he had been given. In other words, what he had been called to do. The whole basis of that parable, being found good and faithful, is did you do what I asked you to do? Did you take the talents that I gave you specifically, and did you increase them? for the kingdom? Because if so, you are found good and faithful. You're doing everything that I've called you to do. Everything that you are called to do from even a mission standpoint will be fulfilled in that one statement. Well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that? I do. Amen. I know we all do. So let me pray with you. Lord Jesus, I've laid a lot on these listeners today. Lord, let it not be a burden to them. Let it be uh, a refreshment. Like, yes, the Lord has something for me to do, even if I don't even understand what it is yet. And I have a part and I can do missions and I can help speed the day of the Lord and reach the world for Christ. Amen. Lord, help them. Amen. All right, thank you so much for listening to Preparing the Way, the Practical Prophetic. And if you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to our show 
and also rate and review it on iTunes. Wherever you leave a positive review, it helps us reach more people with our message. And please visit our website at www.starfireministries.org. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter there. You can donate. You can help us in our efforts to reach nations, remember? I told you. You can read our latest articles and keep up to date with us on all of our social media sites by visiting there. So thanks again, and I will see you next time. Bless you.